Hey, welcome back again to Teffle Waffle. We're still waffling about Teffling again. With Troy and Steve. Alright, so this time we're going to be waffling about those questions you get in the classroom where the student says, Teacher, what's the difference between X and Y? And you go, Uh. Those kind of questions are often vocabulary based. What's the difference between a trip and a journey? Sure. And in some cases, you can use some instant logic to work it out and see. Wait, would I say, I went on a trip to the beach last weekend, or I went on a journey to the beach last weekend? And then it's the situation that dictates when you should or shouldn't be using it. In um, one of my blogs, I wrote about uh, a useful feature on, the, on Google. The Ngram. Ngram, yeah, where you can put in these two items and compare the usage because in some cases a journey and trip is is easy because they have a different connotation a journey is longer and bigger than a trip but in some cases um, where a student asks for example do we say at the weekend or on the weekend and (laughs) and I actually don't know I don't even know what I say Um, and when somebody asks a question like that you can pop that into Ngram and and see which one is more more common in its usage uh yeah, that kind of gets into the whole prescriptive-descriptive grammar argument, though, where, well, technically, if we're following a grammar rule, you should use at the weekend, even though, as an Australian, I would never say at the weekend. Except, of course, oh, my student, they're studying to do a test written primarily in British English with an answer key in British English, where if they say on the weekend based on the answer key, then they're wrong in this case. But I think that if a student asks a question like, should we, what's the difference between X and Y, should we use X or Y, they are asking a prescriptive question. They're asking which one is the one that they should use. Um, and in that case, okay, Ngram is only going to tell you which one's more common, but it'll give you uh, a basis for a sound answer for them, for the student. I, it's more common for people to say on the weekend, for example, but there's nothing wrong with saying at the weekend if that's what you want to say, because that's what I say as a, as a native English speaker. Uh, but then, well, that's what I say as a native English speaker. As a, native English, as a native English speaker, I will turn to you and say, uh, so, lunch already? <laughs> you had lunch? And you had lunch sounds like, I don't know, I'm describing an activity that you took. Yeah. Of course, I'm not. I'm asking you if you've eaten. Now, the the prompt for this question actually uh, is based on a a situation you had recently in a class of yours. Uh, Yeah, it was actually two days ago. So the students who are reasonably advanced were writing, and they had quite a long sentence that went something like, um, the school can have small, medium, and large classes depends on the number of students. Now, in that situation, I had to tell them that uh, actually you should be using depending on, not depends on. And, of course, the students being quite advanced and very motivated said, oh, why? When should I use depends on and when should I use depending on? And the fact is that in the moment, I couldn't give them an answer that wasn't 
convoluted, complicated, long-winded, jargon-heavy. I I absolutely was not prepared right in that moment to not... Well, I could have done the thing that I did in my first couple of weeks of teaching, which was, well, let me see here and waffle, 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 teffle, waffle. So what did you say? Uh, I said to the student, that's a great question, let me check quickly. I wrote down a couple of examples for myself to see if there was an obvious difference. And whilst I could tell when it was correct or incorrect, the, the rule for it was not obvious in that moment. So my response to the student was, that is a fantastic question. I'll check for you and get back to you tomorrow. And that's what I did. Did you get back to uh, Yeah, I got back to them the next morning. Uh, it was only two students who asked the question. So I didn't address it to the class as a whole. I chatted to these two students when we were on a break. So I said, okay, guys, we can take a break now. And the two students who were there, I said, okay, quickly, that question that you had yesterday. But then a bunch of the other students decided to stay. They wanted to stay and listen to the explanation and, and take notes as well. What happens if, uh, if, if you actually can't find the answer? Um, depending on, depends on, is something fairly deep in terms of grammatical construction because it's all based on clauses and yeah. dependencies and so on. For a beginner teacher, maybe they're not going to be able to identify exactly how that works. Is it okay for a teacher, do you think, to say, look, I actually don't know? Ooh, to say, I don't know. Uh, personally, in my experience, I'm okay with m for myself saying, I'm not sure, or I don't know how to explain that. I, I don't have a problem telling my students that. Mm. But I don't think there's anything you can't find out. Uh, I'm sure it's legitimate to say to the student, I don't know, I'll check for you. But then how quickly do you have to follow up? If it's so complicated for you that you're just starting out and you find it hard to answer. I don't know, do you cross your fingers and hope the student never comes back to you? So I don't think that's fair. The question is, do you think that the students can accept the fact that a teacher doesn't know everything about grammar? I think absolutely they can accept the fact that a teacher doesn't know everything about grammar. But I think they have a reasonable and correct assumption that as a teacher... Th that is part of our job and that sometimes we are going to have to do some homework for our students. Because there are certain things that are just unanswerable. When a, when a student says, well, why, why don't we use goad? Why don't we use goad? Yeah, why, why do we use went and not goad? I mean, the real answer to that would have to be uh, an, uh, an exploration of the development of English in the Middle Ages and how... Uh, influences from from the Norman invaders, and you, you'd have to in get Germanic languages, and <laughs> yeah. then you have some Latin and French, and yeah, sure. Uh, sometimes the the answer that you give your students, you are going to want to say to the students, okay, there is a reason, uh, but it's a it's a long historical reason. In that case, but um, I'm, uh, uh, my my question is, do, do all the questions that students ask necessarily have to be answered because there are just some things that just are uh, and um, the student says okay what's the difference between depends on and depending on and you say I don't know but in this sentence here we use that just learn that 
I don't think that's the great answer because in that case, the student, me just saying to the student, you just can't use it in that sentence, uh, leaves the student thinking either my teacher is just making this up on the spot <laughs> or alternatively, oh, okay, I'm never going to use that word again. Or I'm never going to ask this teacher a question again. Oh, definitely, I'm not going to ask this teacher anymore. And there certainly are teachers who respond... Uh, I'm sorry, but I'm going to say assholishly. Mm. They answer in a way that that belittles the student for their question. And I've seen plenty of teachers who say, "Oh, come on, that's you don't need to ask that question. You don't need to know that. Oh, that's a silly question." Yeah, I've seen teachers respond with that, and of course that says to the students, <coughs> "Don't ask." That's telling them, "Don't ask." But it's also saying to the student. As a teacher, I'm not interested in your questions and I'm not interested in helping you. I'm only interested in covering what I want to cover. I, I have, a, I have a, a, a reverse of this. When I was studying Thai, I asked my teacher that they have, in, in, in Thai, they have these diacritics on, in the written form. And this diacritic... Yeah, you might want to just explain what a diacritic is. Uh, so little symbols. So if you have a, a word that has a rising tone, then you use this vowel plus this little symbol, and then that means that the tone rises. But... And for those of you who haven't looked at diacritics at all, if you think about German, and if you think of the U with the two little dots above it, that's the type of diacritic. Right. It's a little extra symbol thing that you add to a letter. Um, but there are certain vowels in Thai where if you use a different vowel, for example, and that same diacritic, it changes, instead of it changing it to a high tone, it changes it to a flat tone. Um, and I said to my Thai teacher at the time, why, why is it doing that? Why don't they just use that for all high tones and why don't they use that? And in retrospect, of course, that was a dumb question because that's not a, that's not a, a question that a teacher can answer. Obviously, it's the way the language is structured. But what I was actually asking was, what is the rule for when that diacritic yeah. works for this and when it works for something else? And, and clearly my, my teacher couldn't answer that question because he'd probably never thought of the diacritics in that context or in that way. But I think that's what most of our students' questions are. They're not why, they're when or how. Or how can I understand this more easily? How yes, can I stop I'm... making this mistake? Right. And is there a rule or a pattern that I, I can just... But they're looking for shortcuts. And, and in a lot of languages, there aren't any shortcuts. And um, most native speakers don't know the shortcuts because they, they've never needed them. They just know. Um, and maybe that's one of the disadvantages of being a native speaker teacher. You just don't know what's difficult about the thing that you're, you're teaching. <laughs> uh, I have found I, that... Sometimes I introduce a tiny bit of jargon to my students so that they have a label for a certain type of rule or non-rule for that matter. So a common one for me with more advanced classes is introducing the concept of collocation. When two words go together, not necessarily for any logical reason, sometimes there might be a historical reason, sometimes there isn't, but telling them that this is a type of collocation. We say you take a shower we can say that you have a shower. We can't say that you do a shower, which is kind of odd because you do the dishes and you do your homework and you do your nails, but you can't do a shower. And in that case, sometimes I can tell my students that, okay, these are types of collocation, and then I can reference it back 
but I certainly don't go into an elementary class and go, today we're going to be learning about collocation. That, I think that that is much too jargon heavy and that's something for teachers, not for students. If a student does say to you, well, why can't you say do a shower at the elementary level? What kind of answer could you give to a student at that, at that point? I could give the simple answer, which is, it's incorrect English. I know that that's not an answer, but it is a fact. Uh, it's not answering the student's question. The student isn't saying, why can't I? They, they want to know, so why am I incorrect? Why is it a mistake? What is the rule? And I suppose then partly the answer of, it's incorrect English, is an answer to the real question of, what's correct, what's the rule? And I can say, the rule for shower is take or have. And In actual fact, you can do a shower, but it has a slightly different meaning. It means that you're building it, or you're creating one in your bar. I'm, well, I'm busy doing the shower at the moment. Um, give me a... a <laughs> yeah, of course, which adds that whole other layer to it. When the student asks the question, you go, uh, well, actually, if you say the thing that you're saying there, it means something else that's different from the thing that you want to say. Right. And first I'll explain the thing that you're unintentionally saying, and then I'll explain the thing that you want to say, and then I'll try to explain why you have to say the thing that you want to say. And by this time, the bell is rung. Yeah, and I think especially when it's one student, you're in the middle of an explanation to the class as a whole, and there's a student who says, "Um, but teacher, and they ask that question. Focusing on that question for the next five minutes is probably not benefiting the rest of the students. The rest of the students are sitting there going, wow, this is heavy. Yeah, why is this this a problem? And this is confusing, and this is a lot of information. Should I be taking notes? Is this on the test? Mm, And and suddenly they're all distracted, and whether we like it or not, we're human beings, we have this finite amount of mental energy. We're kind of wasting their mental energy on this aside. In, in which case, there's an argument for saying, let me get back to you tomorrow, and then getting back to that student tomorrow. Sure. Um, like you did with in your example. Yeah. Uh, in, in that case, it was simply because, as a fact, I did not know how to answer the question for the student. There have been plenty of circumstances where the students ask me a question, and I can truthfully say to the student, oh, we're going to be covering that next hour, or next week, or next month because I do know that it's coming up in the curriculum and I don't want to complicate the thing we're focusing on at the moment. I've made the mistake of doing the opposite and going, well, that's a great question that we're going to be covering later, but here I'm just going to really briefly summarise it now and confuse you all. Mm. Uh, I think the best answer is usually going to be, that's a good question, I'll get back to you. And that's a great way to end the podcast today. If that's your if that's your problem in class, uh, we'll get back to you on it. Okay. Thanks, guys. Hey, follow for is proudly brought to you by the non-stop buffalos, Troy and Steve. For any questions, comments, complaints, or queries, you can email tefolvafall at gmail.com or visit www.tefolvafall.com.